This is The Guardian. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Science Weekly is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day... What would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash scienceweekly today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scienceweekly. We're now halfway through COP28. The world's yearly climate meeting. There's a lot to get done. And the stakes couldn't be higher. As once again this week, scientists are warning that humanity is racing towards disastrous global tipping points that could trigger planetary shifts, unleashing dangerous and sweeping damage to nature and people that can't be undone. So, no pressure. And as we head into the second week, it feels like things have been off to a rocky start in Dubai, with COP28 President Al Jabba making some surprising comments on Sunday. So he can be very charming, but he was clearly in a bad mood maybe in this interaction. And he was insisting that there was no science behind the phase out of fossil fuels. Guardian biodiversity reporter Patrick Greenfield was there to see the repercussions unfold. It was extraordinary. I was in the room. It was a bit like when a press, you know, like a, a football manager loses it in a press conference. And yeah, it was, it was high drama. But while it seems as if Al Jabba's comments have undermined his conference, things aren't so bad on the ground. It's, it's more positive here than it might seem from maybe afar. So, what's been happening at COP so far? What's been big on the agenda? And has any progress been made? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. 
I'm in Dubai, it's steel, it's glass, it's tall buildings, it's money, it's Bugattis, Ferraris. I'm surrounded by it as I um, kind of look out from from the metro every morning on the way to the expo centre. There's there's really serious cash here. And the surreal experience of being at COP doesn't stop at the conference centre doors for reporter Patrick Greenfield. This is my third COP and they're, they're quite bizarre experiences, right? Because I mean, I'm yet to go to an event on the planet where you can walk past Bill Gates, then a professional sports person might be there, then indigenous activists from the Amazon or East Africa. The world is really here in all its nooks and crannies uh, uh, represented. So Patrick, what's been happening so far at COP28? So it's been a dramatic few days in in Dubai. So on, on Sunday evening, my colleague Damien Carrington and, and the reporter Ben Stockton published an, an exclusive. It was a recording of Sultan Al Jabba, who is the COP president, who is also the head of um, the UAE's state oil company, Adnoc, talking in a, a climate event about whether we needed to phase out fossil fuels or not. And there is no science uh, out there or no scenario out there that says that the phase out of fossil fuel is what's going to achieve 1.5. 1.5 is my North Star. It, it changed the mood of the the COP, which had started so so well. To explain a little bit about Sultan al-Jabba's role, he is going to have to kind of corral and bring countries together to agree this this final text in, in a few days' time. And if he doesn't think that there's any science behind phasing out fossil fuels to, to meet 1.5 degrees, then gosh, we really are in a mess, right? Because that's not quite what the science says. And so on Monday, I was in the room for this extraordinary press conference that was that was held really in response to this, right? He wasn't scheduled to speak, where it, it was a little bit like at times if Eric Cantona kind of did climate change or something like that. He spoke for about 25 minutes, I, I, um, I recall. I honestly think that there is some confusion out there and misrepresentation and misinterpretation. I'm an engineer by background. It's the science and my respect to the science and my passion about the science and it's about my conviction to the science that have enabled me to progress in my career. And he clarified his comments, but it was really a moment of high drama that you don't get often in the middle of climate summits. But you did say there that COP had actually started quite well. So what's the good news been? So we've had the historic creation and mobilisation of a loss and damage fund that countries and governments have been talking about for years and they've never got around to doing it. I was there at COP27 in Egypt last year when they finally agreed to create this fund. And now it's there with money and it's going to be inside the World Bank. And really rather soon, countries that are affected by climate disasters should be compensated for the, from the worst impacts of climate change, right? When you see these huge cyclones or forest fires or whatever it might be, they're often disproportionately impacting the, the poorest countries in the world. And now there is a fund dedicated to mitigating the impacts of that. And it's, it's growing in, in size. And Look, it, it's not a huge amount of money in terms of in terms of the way kind of international politics works, right? But politically, it's really important for this COP. It was is a key ask for developing countries, and to be honest, it's cleared the decks for negotiations about other things. There is a good feeling in, in negotiating halls. I think, right? I have really 
especially last year, noticed how how strained things have become between the global north and south. Climate justice was really eating away at the the, the trust between between governments uh, who are meant to be cooperating on what we do about the climate crisis. Uh, but now we've started a, a climate summit, albeit in a, in a massive petro state in Dubai, with some really positive news. And they are getting down into it now on issues about the phase phase out or phase down of, of fossil fuels. Um, a big moment at, at COP this year came from Colombia, which is a significant oil and gas and, and coal producer who signed up to a growing campaign from um, started by Pacific Island states for fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty which would be like those that have seen us reduce nuclear weapons armaments or landmines around the world. So there really is some positive momentum in talks here in Dubai. One of the topics that's on the agenda at COP28 is something that Patrick has been investigating for a few years now, carbon credits and carbon markets. You might have come across carbon credits yourself. Companies often buy them to offset their carbon emissions so they can say their products like flights, sandwiches and coffee are carbon neutral. The idea is that when a country, company or individual emits carbon, they can give money to an organisation. That organisation then invests the money, either on protecting existing environments like rainforests or planting new ones that are drawing down carbon from around the world. A government, company or individual can then say their carbon emissions have been offset. Carbon markets are the ways credits are bought and sold. Patrick. So carbon markets are a very important issue at COP. Under the Paris Agreement, we've agreed to create one that helps us get to 1.52 degrees. And I think the statistic, uh, according to AITA, an organisation that deals with carbon trading, is that 80% of NDCs, so those are the nationally determined contributions, a country's plan to how they're going to get to 1.52 degrees, 80% of those rely on carbon trading, right? So what does that mean? That means that if you're Germany, say, and you're really struggling to decarbonize as quickly as you might like, you might pay for climate change mitigation in Chad or uh, Vietnam. There are schemes now that are just starting up where one country is paying to electrify another country's bus ne- network, right? And claiming the uh, carbon reductions towards their own NDC. And, and we'll see loads of these kinds of deals may- maybe in the future once the rules get up and running. And politicians like John Kerry, Ursula von der Leyen, the new head of the World Bank, the UK government, I mean, they're all really throwing their their weight behind this, in part for political reasons, because you do need a mechanism to get money quickly to the developing world. So carbon credits are a big part of how countries are currently committing to getting to their goals, which they've set at previous COPs and are being evaluated now. But there are a lot of issues with these credits at the moment, aren't there? Yeah, so it's it's, it's a complicated and infuriating world in many ways, um, the, the carbon market. So actually, it's quite hard to buy a credit and, and can be very, very expensive to buy a credit that removes carbon from the atmosphere. We don't have the technology to do this at scale yet. And to 
do this with nature, say through tree planting, is expensive. And there's not really actually the space to do it on a big scale, given pressures from agriculture and everything else we need to do with land. So most are these things called avoided credits. The most popular type in, in, in the last few years are ones for avoided deforestation. So all listeners will have heard about the need to keep places like the Amazon rainforest or the Congo Basin rainforest standing, and they're threatened. And the idea here is you say, okay, well, I'm going to pay to stop those trees from being destroyed that otherwise would have been cleared for cattle ranching for a new soy field, right? And under the way this is meant to work, those carbon reductions can be used to cancel out whatever you're doing from flying or or driving or or whatever that might be. But, Maddie, I hear you ask, how do you know (laughs) if a tree was definitely going to be cut down, right? And 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 your money, you've paid to stop that. You can't, right, ever on some level. It's, It's very difficult. Often many of these things are a mirage. You're just giving money to a forest that wasn't threatened in the first place or wasn't as threatened as, as, as the credits are claiming it to have been. As well as the issues that you've just raised, there are also concerns around what the industry could mean for people living inside areas covered by carbon projects or what happens to land rights when your government signs overland to a company that, you know, could be in another country. And amongst all of this is a company, a mysterious company called Blue Carbon, which I know you've reported on. And this company is taking a a pretty significant role at COP. Blue Carbon is run by a member of Dubai's royal family, Sheikh Ahmed Dalmuk al-Muktoum, who has been making deals with African states over big parts of their forests. Tell me about that. This really is a new gold rush in a new commodity in, in many ways, right? And, and, and with that, you get speculators, you get companies that want to want to get in there first and be at the forefront of this and yet make a name for themselves, make some money along the way and get this going. And, and one of them is this mysterious company called Blue Carbon, as you say, that uh, is only about a year old, but over the course of mainly 2023, has made deals that cover an enormous area of African forest. They and, and they're at a government level, right? So we're talking about deals that cover 20% of Zimbabwe. I think it's eight or 10% of Zambia. Uh, just really kind of astonishing amounts of countries. Uh, Blue Carbon will, will be making money from that along the way. But the great thing about COP. Uh, is that you can just walk up to world leaders sometimes and ask them a question. And I was able to do that with the president of Zambia. As a final question, what do you say to those who say this is a, a new grab for Africa's resources? You, what, it shouldn't be like that. This is what we're exactly saying here. It shouldn't be a grab. It shouldn't be. You heard me say that. Mm. This is a positive. It's not a negative. Thank you very much. These deals haven't stopped, Maddie. They've signed three at COP with Dominica, Cormorus, the Bahamas, and I know that there are more coming, right? And it's something the listeners maybe need to, need to get used to. We're, we're going to see a lot of this. In response to Patrick's reporting, Blue Carbon said it was committed to stringent rules about suitable methodologies for the carbon projects and would follow whatever governments agreed at COP28. It said its team had previous experience developing carbon projects. Patrick approached Sheikh Ahmed, but he declined to be interviewed for the article through his office. I mean, Patrick, it's definitely been an 
interesting COP so far. So what are you going to keep your eyes out for over the next couple of days? What's going to be on your radar? The big issue is going to be the language on phase down, phase out of fossil fuels. There won't be any other game in town, I think, for the next few days. But it, but it's really set up for a, a kind of final tussle on that. Something that I wanted to say, um, Maddie, to, to listeners, climate cops are fundamentally about avoiding bad realities. And so often at home, it can seem quite frustrating, I, I imagine, when you hear um, about the bad news and the things that aren't happening. But this process has, has already achieved a lot in terms of preventing um, and highlighting what, what a six degree, five degree, four degree world could be like. And, and we're successfully, hopefully, avoiding those things, right? And, and yes, not enough is being done. Yes, we need to go quicker. Yes, we need more action. But from speaking with, say, Pacific Island states and others that are already experiencing really quite terrifying consequences of, of, of global heating. This is the only game in town. This is the only place where the world gets together to try and sort this out once a year. And it's 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 special and moving at times to be here as as well as being incredibly frustrating and and, and the rest of it, right? So um don't give up. <laughs> Patrick, I think that's the perfect point for us to end this conversation. Don't give up. And I'm gonna be reading all of your articles over the next few weeks, keeping up with what's going on at COP, as well as the rest of the fantastic environment team that are there. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks again to Patrick Greenfield. You can follow all the news from our journalists at COP28 on theguardian.com. And before you go, I wanted to point you towards our sister podcast, Today in Focus, Yesterday, political correspondent Aletha Adu took a look at what we might expect from Boris Johnson as he takes his turn to answer questions at the COVID inquiry and what his account could mean for grieving families, his own political career and what lessons need to be learned. It's such an interesting episode, so I really recommend taking a listen. Just search for Today in Focus wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it from us today. The producer was Josh and Chana. The sound design was by Mao Lazetto. And the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.